0: Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church. Grace, Extravagant love, intimate friendship, and the central character of this story is Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. And it is a story that I don't know how many times I've heard it or it's been told, the impact of it is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. And so I want to encourage you, I've found that the world is so open to Christ at Easter. This morning, uh, on Good Friday, I had the opportunity to speak on 7, Nine, Ten, and ABC Networks in Brisbane. I got on all the bulletins and we just shared about how we have the freedom to express our faith in Christ this Easter in Brisbane. We don't have to come with fear. Uh, Coptic Christians in Egypt last week on Palm Sunday, many churches were, uh, there was bomb threats and bomb attacks and I was in in Melbourne this week and uh, one of the guys I had dinner with he's got friends in the Coptic Church Egyptian Coptic Church in Melbourne the Egyptian Coptic Church Christians are 12% of the population of Egypt and uh, he was saying one of the priests on Palm Sunday was about to partake of communion and a lady at the back of the auditorium an elderly lady collapsed and fell on the wooden pew and he was very concerned so he went and most of the church went to the back to see that she was okay and when they went to the back there was a bomb under the altar which exploded and it held back the, there were still people injured but no one was particularly killed in the church on the other church there was three churches that were bombed one of the other churches they were going to have 400 kids in kids church that Sunday morning and in the morning, they were worried that they are going to have too many kids and the room was too small. So they swapped the seniors and the kids over. The kids went to another auditorium and that was the auditorium that blew up and nine people were killed. But they said if the children were in there, it would have been packed. And See, God's doing amazing things, but we get today what other Christians don't get to do. We get to freely celebrate, to free honour and to freely worship our God without fear. So for a moment, would you just lift your hands? We forget how privileged we are to live in this nation. Lord, today we honour you on this Resurrection Sunday. And we think of our brothers and sisters all across the world that have persecution or fear of gathering together. We think of the communist nations where it's illegal to gather in your name. And the house churches that are thriving as they celebrate Easter. Lord, we think of Christians in the Middle East. Before the first Iraq war, there was 2 million Christians in Iraq alone. Now there's only 200,000 because of the persecution. The 12 million place people in Syria. Lord, we think of these peoples and we pray this Easter, let them find hope in you, protection in you, provision in you, we pray. We give you all the glory and we give you all the praise. And everybody said, Amen. One more time. Why don't you give the Lord a hand of praise as you take your seat this evening? Awesome. You can take your seats. And uh, God's good. And uh, thanks for allowing me to go back this morning to do my own service in Brisbane. Got up nice and early. Drove down. It was good traffic today, at 5 a.m. And uh, and uh, be back with you here tonight. I think God's going to do something good. Tim, I want to just encourage you tonight. You and your new family got to meet your daughter yesterday. And uh, I believe um, uh, there's a scripture that says, stretch the tent, lengthen the cords, put in the stakes in Isaiah. And I just want to encourage you as a couple of that is that is happening already in your life, practically having a family. But I just feel God, when God likes to do things, He doesn't do things in halves. He likes to do it in every area. And I just feel that this year, 2017, God's going to continually urge you to go forward, but it's going to be a stretch. Uh, it's going to be a real stretch. You see, if you go down to the Gold Coast, they're always building some new skyscraper, but the bigger the skyscraper, the deeper the foundations. And I believe this next season in your life as a married couple, in your life, Tim, as a calling, as a minister of the gospel, it's going to be a stretch. It's going to be a stretch. There's going to be other Distractions outside of this church and you're going to have to learn what to say yes is and to no is because what God wants you to do in this house it's going to take some digging sometimes uh, you've got to dig deep to get to the water where God is and I just believe there's a season but don't do buck it don't resist it just go with it because you know what you might have some plans that are going in this direction but you know sometimes God gives you a destination okay we're going to go to Cairns but he doesn't take you the shortest route he goes via Alice Springs Auckland Antarctica South America but you do get to the destination because he's not just about the destination. He's about who you become on the journey to be the person. And I believe this year God's going to dig some deep foundations in your life for the foundation of what he wants to do in your future. So put on the yoke, walk with it, and allow God to build and increase your spiritual capacity and your spiritual authority to do what God's called you to do in your life. Everyone said... Amen. Hey, before I get on, my wife told me to uh, advertise this, and I, I do what my wife says. Um, she's the fourth person in the Trinity. There's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and wife, okay? And so, um, so um, Joe this year put out a magazine. She does it twice a year. It's an incredible magazine. I don't know if you've read any women's magazines, but they're usually pretty trashy. This one is full of great stories. I'll just say it as it is man, come on seriously, have you read New Idea? Uh, okay, so this has got some great stories, some incredible testimonies and uh, you can have it but also it's, it's we made it so you could pass it on to Christians and non-Christians, it's got some great stories of some great Christians in there and different things they're doing in their life and so I've only got five with me tonight but you can buy it for $10 or you can order them online from our church website but I've got one here and I want to give it to, jo, one of Joe's favourite but I want to give it to Emma Ford tonight because she's just such a legend and here Emma, I just want to give that to you you're you're awesome and uh, appreciate that and um i want you to turn in your bible to the book of john the gospel of john chapter 8 i love this passage of scripture john chapter 8 and uh, we're going to read from the new king the niv version actually today and the new indian version since you've got an indian pastor coming next week and uh it's it's a great version and uh, uh uh, I, I, I travel a lot, and um, one of my favourite places in the world is New Zealand. And uh, I was there last year with my wife. We were preaching at a conference, and and after the week, it was a busy week. And I just, when I finish somewhere, I like to get on the first flight home which means in New Zealand, if you're going from Auckland, it's 6am, which means you get up to the airport at 4am, which is about 2am Brisbane time, but I'm uh, I'm out of there, and so we were at the airport, we can, and a lot of the business people uh, who were going to Brisbane for business get on that flight as well, because you, you arrive in at about 7.30, quarter to 8 in Brisbane, and you can get through customs, and you can get to work by 9 in the city, it's a great flight, and so we're on the flight, and I don't know about you, but uh, it was a nice flight from Auckland across to Brisbane, and, but I'm the kind of person when it gets to a shopping aisle, or a supermarket, or customs I always pick the wrong queue anyone out there that picks the long queue you know my wife's got a gift of picking the short one I've got the one that's always got some kind of problem so so we, we we're in line in customs we've got through our with our visas and our passports we're coming through there and and our line's not moving. There's about 15 lines in the Brisbane International Airport. Every other line's moving. Ours is not moving. And then people start whinging and complaining because Australians love a good complaint. And uh, and someone's like, what are you doing? Hurry up. Who's holding up the line? I've got to get to work. And everyone's getting a little bit tense and grumpy. They were quite happy on the airplane, but now they're turning to frustration. and, and, And because I'm blessed with height, I can look down the aisle and I can see that there's a family holding up our particular line of customs. And people are getting more agitated, people are getting more angry, full of angst. I've got to get to work by nine. You're, who's holding up the line? And I can see in the distance about 30 people in front of me. There's an African family there. It's a, it's a mum and dad and six kids. From about 14 down to a, a baby in the mother's arms, they've all got their backpacks on and they can't speak a word of English. And they're there standing in front of the customs and the, the interpreter speaking to the family, then back to the interpreter, back to the customs agent. And there's this big, joy, uh, loud, noisy conversation going on. And then I realise they don't even have Passports. They've just got A4 piece of paper with the United Nations symbol. They're probably refugees from some camp. People are getting annoyed. People get, who's holding up the line? What's going on up there? Can't just say, I'm going to get to work. By, this is important. I'm going to get to work by nine. And people, I'm telling you, people start manifesting in the line at the Brisbane airport. And I can see this, and I can see this conversation going on and all the kids are there and they're looking quite worried. And, and, and it's going back between the interpreter and back to the customs agent, back to the family. Mum and Dad will talk to each other. And I a sudden they began to... To realize where's this family from they're very tall Africans they look like Somalis or Sudanese very tall and I, I began to think well what kind of refugee camp have they been in maybe they've been no citizens of no nation for a long time maybe maybe they've been persecuted maybe they've been part of a, a village that's in genocide you don't know what stories people have been and 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 people are getting angry and agitated and finally literally after about 20 minutes the lady gets a big custom stamps and stamps bang 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 the eight people and in the middle of the custom customs hall this family they don't they co pass the customs but they don't just keep walking to the bottle shop they stop and they start having a dance now I'm, I'm not going to dance I'm a white person but they begin to dance and they're whistling and they're celebrating and this because for the first time in their life they were experiencing something that you and I experience every day in this nation they were experiencing freedom freedom to travel wherever they want to Freedom to say whatever they want to. Freedom to dream something better for their children. Freedom to have an education if they apply themselves at school. Freedom to pursue the dreams of that. We don't know what kind of background they were from. A persecuted place, a war zone. We don't know how many years or decades they spent in a refugee camp hoping someone would pull out their name out of a barrel so they can get to have an opportunity. And they didn't care if there was 300 agitated people in line. They were experiencing something they'd never experienced in their life. And they thought, we're going to dance and celebrate with joy because we have freedom. And they danced for about 10 minutes. They were dancing and singing and whistling. I couldn't understand a word they were saying. I don't speak Somali or Sudanese. And everyone just stopped in the place. It was amazing. You see, the Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 31, to the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him and said, we're Abraham's descendants, and we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, anyone who's a sin, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever so if the sun sets you free you will be free indeed come on let's pray together lord we pray tonight that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying tonight as we celebrate resurrection sunday in the freedom that we have in this regional city in this state in this nation lord i pray today that our hearts and our eyes will be open to see something new in your word that your truth shall set us free. And everybody said, when I say the word freedom, different images pop up in your mind of the different things in your life. It means different things. It conjures up different images to different people. For me, I'm a child of the 80s. I went to high school in the 80s. I finished high school in 1989. I had a mullet in year 12. (laughs) A mullet is party up back, conservative on top. And if you wanted to go the next level, I used to perm my mullets. And if we want to go to another level, you used to put blonde streaks right through it. I am not joking. But in 1989, there's two images to me that remind me of freedom. I remember waking up one morning on the news and to see the Berlin Wall coming down, and people celebrating. 40 years of division and families being restored together. Freedom to visit and connect and to be a part of one nation. My other great image of 1989 was Tiananmen Square where tens of thousands of Chinese university students were protesting in the heart of Beijing, protesting for freedom of speech, freedom of expression in the media, freedom to do uh, study and think and do what they want to do and and it went for weeks and weeks until finally the Chinese government sent in the military and thousands of people were uh, put in prison and hundreds of people Died, And I remember this one image of freedom which is stuck in my mind. There was a line of T-72 tanks and there was a student with a white flag. And as the tank would turn to the left, he would stand in front of the tank with the white flag. And the tank would turn to the right and he would stand there. It's an image in my mind of freedom. I've been to the place on Robben Holland in South Africa where for 18 years of the 27 years Nelson Mandela was in prison. I've been to the place we walked out of the prison, free man, after 27 years. If I say the word freedom, many images come to your mind. If I will speak to my grandmother, my Omar, she will tell you the day in 1944 in her little village in Holland when the Canadian troops came and liberated them from four years under Nazi rule. She said, we partied, but not for a day. We partied for a week because we had our freedom back. My favourite, I've been to see the musical Les Mis seven times in London and Sydney, because I just love the story of someone receiving grace and freedom in their life. The word freedom in the Collins Dictionary is defined as this, personal liberty as from slavery, bondage or serfdom, liberation or deliverance as from confinement or bondage, or the quality and state of being free, especially to enjoy political and civil liberties. To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him and said, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. After World War II and this village in Germany, there was a zoo. And it wasn't like the nice zoos we have today. Like you go to Australia Zoo at Biowar on the Sunshine Coast or Taronga Zoo or San Diego Zoo. The zoos today are awesome. This was like a a 19th century zoo. You had like bars and concrete. It was built in the 1870s. This was an old zoo. And and after World War II, as, as the city and this village began to grow, people began to get very concerned about some of the animal exhibits that the cages were too small and particularly of this one black bear. This black bear would be inside of its den in the morning and it would come out in a concrete cage with bars on it and it would come out of its den in the morning and it would get to the edge of the cage and it would walk 13 steps to the left. Get to the end of the cage and walk 13 steps to the right. This bear would do this week after week, month after month, year after year, 13 steps to the left. Get to the end of the cage, 13 steps, it would just do it hour after hour. In fact, it walked it so many years, it walked a groove in the concrete of up and down where it walked 13 steps to the left, 13 steps to the right. Then at night it would go back into its den. Well, some concerned residents of this particular regional city got very, very upset about the possible mental anguish that this bear was going through. It's amazing what people will protest about. And they started writing uh, letters to the the, uh, the owner of the zoo and the local mayor, and they, then they started picketing the zoo and boycotting the zoo. And, and finally, after this began to get momentum uh, about the mental health of this bear, suddenly they said, well, we are got to do something about this. The mayor called a meeting, and the CEO of the zoo was there, and, and the tourism minister was there well our business is going backwards we're going to go broke if we don't do something about this bear people are protesting out the front with pickets free the bear help the bear and so finally they decided to make a decision and they bought some acreage on the outside of the village and they electric fenced this acreage and it was a beautiful meadow with a little creek running down to a pond. And, and they made a big announcement that they were going to put the bear in a new enclosure. And it's going to have wide open spaces and it's going to be incredible. And so they, they, they put out a big PR campaign and the day came and the TV crews were there and the, the newspaper crews were there. And everybody who was from the town was there to see this new bear's enclosure. It's going to be awesome. They brought him in on the truck and they thought, what's he going to do? Is he going to skip through the meadow? Is he going to dive into the wonderful pond there? And as they were watching with bated breath, the bear got out of the truck and went 13 steps to the left. 13 steps to the right. 13 13 steps to the left. 13 steps to the right. Because even though its environment was free in its mind, it was still bound up. The Bible says you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. For if Jesus the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? And some said, Well, you're Elijah, you're the prophet. And Peter said, You are the Messiah, you are the risen Lord. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm amazed when I meet Christians that aren't living in the full freedom that Christ paid on the cross freedom from guilt, freedom from shame. He shed his blood. It wasn't his sacrifice enough? Well, some of my sins he can cover, but that one was so bad I don't think he can cover. Are you telling me that what the Christ's blood shed at Calvary is not good enough to cover your sin? 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us from all our unrighteousness. I want to encourage you today. Christ wants you and I to walk in freedom freedom from sin, freedom from fear. Freedom from the past. Freedom from rejection. Freedom from loneliness. Freedom from unforgiveness. Freedom from financial burden and poverty. Freedom from pain in our bodies. Freedom from sickness in our lives. Freedom from depression in our mind. Freedom from indecision in our lives. Freedom from apathetic living. Freedom from negativity. Freedom from a critical spirit. Freedom from boredom in this life. Freedom from From barrenness in your heart, freedom from skepticism in your mind, freedom from doubt, freedom from the burden of grief that weighs so heavily upon you, freedom from the oppression of the enemy, freedom from the expectations of others, freedom from the spirit of materialism that plagues this world, freedom from a sense of personal inferiority, freedom from failure, freedom from hate, freedom from envy, freedom from jealousy, freedom from a wounded spirit, freedom from a broken heart, freedom from the mold of this world freedom from yourself and all your human faults and limitations Christ shed his blood at Calvary so that you and I could live in freedom we were bought with a price he shed his blood at Calvary he was nailed to a cross he was crucified he rose from the dead so you could be free not 13 steps to the left 13 steps to the right you know what I love about Australia and New Zealand, and we're about to celebrate it on Anzac Day. You can go to any country town. Boona. You know, back blocks of Ipswich, country Victoria, a little town of 2,000 people, Tatura. Go somewhere in New Zealand, and there'll always be a World War I war memorial. Because the sacrifices. So I've got four and a half million people in Australia in World War One nearly 600,000 men served 62,000 deaths 180,000 casualties you don't understand how it impacted every part of Australian society but in every town you can go there and you'll see some kind of memorial and we'll say these three words lest we forget we remember the price that they paid so that we could live in the freedom that we have in this nation For all veterans, World War I, World War II, the Korean, the Vietnam, all these people paid a price so that we could have the nation that we have. Christ paid a price so that we wouldn't be enslaved to these things, but we would live a life that he called us to live, a life of freedom. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Christ has called us to live in freedom. And tonight I just want to give you a couple of points, a couple of things are going to help us as Christians on this Resurrection Sunday to live the life of freedom that Christ has called us to live. First thing is we need to live in freedom from sin and freedom from the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freedom from sin, freedom from the past. You know what, when my parents got saved in the late 70s, they used to sing a song, I won't sing it for you, I'm not a singer, but he used to go on oh, this, I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. All the old pastors used to lead it. All things have passed away. You remember those song leaders? I'm born again. More than a conqueror. That's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Christ died that we would be set free from sin. Christ died and shed his blood that our sins could be covered. The scars may remain, but there is freedom doesn't matter whether you're a bank robber, a compulsive liar, an adulterer, a murderer. Christ can set us free. You know, this morning in our service, we sang that wonderful song, Amazing Grace. But the amazing thing about that song is the man that wrote it ran away from his English town at 14 years of age and joined the Merchant Marine. He was so good at it that he did his qualifications. And by 18 and 19, he was an officer in the British Merchant Navy. By the time he was in his early 20s, he was a captain. By the time he was in his 30s, he was a captain of a, uh, he owned a fleet of ships, but they were slave ships. They would take people and buy people from West Africa and sell them to the New World, the colonies in the Caribbean and in North America and South America. And I'm telling you, slavery is is a profiting business that survives on human misery. The capturing of others, ripping away from their lives. Hundreds and thousands would die just on the journey to the new world and then selling them out. And you know what? This was his life. This was the profiting business of his life until one day in the middle of a huge storm, a huge storm, he fell down on his knees and gave his life to Christ. He became a born again believer. And that's when he penned those wonderful words, John Newton, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, a low life. Like me, there is no sin too great for God. Not only does God want us to set us free from our sins, but He wants to set us free from past hurts yeah. and the negative experiences that we've received in our lives. Some of the things that happened in our lives, we didn't deserve it, we were the victims of it of rejection, of loneliness, of abuse, of broken homes, and of divorce. I want to encourage you today. God wants to set us free, not just from our sin, but from past negative hurts and experiences in our lives. Yeah. I got a friend and, um, you know, uh, he, he actually, I was talking to him yesterday. He helps me out with some different stuff of media. And, and, um, and uh, when he was 16, his parents told him that he was adopted. He had no idea to that point. He's a big lad and he just, the rejection and the confusion just made him spin out. He started getting involved with gangs, smoking drugs, doing drugs. By 17, he was an inline heroin user and to to feed his habit he did some serious crimes he did two or three armed robberies and he joined a bikey gang he was involved in all these things and one day he used to ride his Harley Davidson on a Friday night in the city of Adelaide and there was a double decker bus with a coffee shop that'd be open till about one or two in the morning and and he liked going there because all the girls were incredibly good looking he said and so there's this one particular girl we'd see quite often on a Friday night he was about 21 at the time he'd keep coming up to her and say hey hey, uh, could I take you out? And she would say, no, but here, you can have some coffee. And he probably asked her out six or seven times until finally she said, okay, if you come to this address at 6 p.m. on Sunday night, uh, we've got this meeting on and you can have coffee with me afterwards. He's like, sure, she's pretty good looking. So he drives in that next Sunday into the car park and was shocked to know on his Harley Davidson it was a church. But he thought, well, she's pretty good looking. I'm happy to sit through church if I get a date through this. And she meets him in the foyer and she goes, well, hey, this is my church. We're going to have a service. But afterwards in our church foyer, we've got a coffee shop. And so we can have a coffee afterwards. But come down. So she doesn't sit at the back. She walks down to the front. He's sitting on the front row of this church and the worship's going on and things are happening. And guess what? Something begins to unlock in his heart. All the rejection, all the brokenness, all the sin, all the shame that's in his life. And what he doesn't realize, he's asked out the pastor's daughter. Her dad gets up to preach that night. He shares the gospel and the grace of God. And he puts up his hand on the front row. He doesn't have to walk far. He takes one step. And that night he receives the grace of God in his life. Instantaneously, he was delivered of a heroin addiction. Instantaneously, he was delivered of his nicotine addiction, his alcoholism. He was just a changed man. All the brokenness, all the rejection, all the loneliness in his life. For the first time, he felt the true love and grace of God in his life. He was transformed. He started coming to all the services, Any meeting on the church, it didn't matter if it was women's meeting, board meeting, he was there. He was just so hungry for God. He just began to change. After three months of being a Christian, he hadn't seen all his friends. He'd left the gang he said to his pastor I think I need to confess some crimes can I share them with you the pastor said I don't want to know about them let's get in the police shop four and a half hours in the police station he shares all these things and he had to go to trial 12 months later there was such a transformation he ended up running that bus I mean, he bought three other buses within a year he'd won a Young Australian Achiever of the Year award because of his work with young people, and especially with drug addicts and people involved in the criminal scene, juvenile justice, the judge was so impressed that even though he'd committed three armed robberies, he gave him a good behaviour bond and he never did any time in prison. He said, I cannot believe the transformation that's happened in your life and we need to keep you on the street for you are hope to a generation of young people lost in drugs and crime. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. God wants to set us free from our sin and our past hurts, pains and rejections. Secondary of freedom is God wants us to live in freedom from the mold of this world. Romans 12 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Who'd like to know the will of God? It says or how you can do it right here in this word. The world that we live in, 21st century Western culture, is trying to inflict its pattern upon us. It's trying to inflict its mold, its attitude, its pain upon us every day. This world is trying to enslave us to its culture of materialism, a lack of value for human life with abortion and euthanasia and greed and sexual promiscuity and immorality. Christ gave us freedom that we would not be bound by the pattern of this world. Galatians 5.1 says Christ has set us free to live a life of freedom. So take a stand. Never again let anyone put the harness of slavery upon you. One of the big areas I find that Christians need to be free of is the expectations of other people. Sometimes as Christians, we're more worried about other people's opinions than God's opinion. Well, what would my friends say? What would my spouse say? What would my teacher say? Well, what will society say if I live this certain life? But I'm telling you, one of the greatest freedoms you can have is the freedom from the opinions of others. Because God's opinion is the one that really counts. When I was working in Brisbane as a youth pastor years ago, we used to have this guy in our youth ministry and he was severely autistic. And he was about six foot four. He went through our youth group, then our young adults. And his name was Peter. And we were at a church dinner about 2,000 people on a Sunday morning. And, and Peter used to always make a beeline for me in the middle of the shake hands time. And Peter didn't know how to talk softly. He only had to talk loudly. Hey, Pastor Paul! And he'd always ask a leading question. Peter was incredibly intelligent. He could remember everything. And he'd say, how's your day been, Pastor Paul? I said, good, Peter. But what he's really wanted me to do is say, ask him how his day's been going. So I'd say, how's your day been going, Peter? He'd go, Pastor Paul, port 6.05 a.m. I got out of bed. 6.07 a.m. I got in the shower. I said, I don't want to know anymore. 6.10, I washed myself. I brushed my teeth. i got dressed. He said, 6.21 p.m., 21 a.m. I made double shot espresso coffee. And then I made a cappuccino on top of that. I love of coffee, And he starts going through all the details of his day. He remembers everything, photographic memory. And so, okay, Peter, I've got to stop now. The church is going back into worship. Go and take your seat. And so one day, I love Peter because Peter doesn't care what people think about him. He's just loving life and coffee. And, uh, and so one time I'm meeting with a local state member of parliament from my area in southern Brisbane, and, and I'm in a coffee shop, and I'm asking him for some money for some community work amongst youth, and the meeting's not going well. This politician doesn't like Christians, and especially doesn't like our church. And I'm trying, I'm in a really cool cafe. It's a really, one of, it's one of the cool ones at the moment in this place, and, and I'm talking to him, and the meeting's going bad, Then suddenly, there's about 40 people in the cafe. Guess who rocks up? Peter. <laughs> He walks in there like he always walks and he sees me at the back of the cafe and goes, hey, Pastor Paul. Everybody in the whole cafe looks. Hey, that's my pastor. And he walks over there. I'm having a coffee with this politician. He slaps the politician on the back. This is my pastor. He's awesome. He says, what are you drinking? He goes, latte. He says, I'll have a double shot cappuccino. Pastor Paul's paying. He talks to me. He's like, he's talking in there and and Peter's talking. And he talks loud. The whole cafeteria, the whole coffee shop's listening to our conversation. He goes, Pastor Paul, do you know how I'm a painter? I said, yes, Peter. He said, I've just had my first exhibition. I said, that's awesome, Peter. He said, I sold three paintings for $300 each. I said, that's awesome, Peter. He goes, God is so good. Everyone's like listening in there. And then he gets his coffee coffee and he goes to the politician slaps him on the back a second time this is my pastor he's awesome thanks for the coffee pastor walks out everyone's like it was awesome the politician gave me five grand after Peter came in but I love Peter because he don't care what anybody else thinks he's not bound by the expectation of other people you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free For if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Some of us need to get freedom in our finances. Money's not evil, but slavery to it is. And you can be poor and be bound by money, and you can be rich and be bound by money. It's not about that. It's about the spirit and the heart. Money doesn't have a personality. Money takes on the personality of those who possess it. That's the personality it has. It's just the legal tender of Australia. But you know what? Some of you need to get free in your vision. Money controls your life. It controls your destiny. But you know what? God can supply all your needs according to his riches. Of glory. You, be, you, need to, you, need to, you need to discover the revelation of the freedom of tithing and of giving because he opens the windows of heaven. He rebukes the devourer off your life. And you can have all the dreams and visions come to pass. I love what the Apostle Paul says. I've learned to rejoice in lack. And I've learned to rejoice in abundance because it doesn't matter what the money situation is, my joy is in God. Yeah. Yeah. One time I was in India, I love going to India, and uh, we're in this church of about 3,000 people. We had no seats in it, had a balcony. All the women sat on one side, all the men sat on the other side. And, and I, when you go to a service, quite often, the preacher's a visiting preacher, they give you a run sheet. It says, like, you know, 20 minutes praise, two minutes announcements, 10 minutes, 15 minutes worship, five minutes for the offering. 20 minutes for the preaching 10 minutes for the altar call and you sort of have to follow that thing and there's a clock up there like I'm oh I'm running out of time now and so you know all that kind of stuff well this one I started looking at the sheet and it had like 20 minutes for the praise 10 minutes for the announcement 20 minutes for the worship 29 minutes for the offering 20 minutes for the preaching 10 minutes for the altar call I'm like is this a typo he goes no we love the offering I'm like no kidding 29 minutes. I've never seen a 30 minute offering, it's longer than the message. And he goes to me, He goes, Pastor Paul, we love the offering. I'm like, Wow, of course you do. 30 minutes, these people were poor, they were poor. And sure enough, I thought, I didn't care about the praise and worship, I want to see a 30 minute offering. I'm, I'm oh, I, have, I have offerings in my church every week, I want to see a third. And so, sure enough, it came to the offering, and the pastor goes, Everybody stand to your feet, it's time for the offering. And 2,000 people went ballistic. They started clapping and shouting and wolf-whistling and praising. They brought out these wooden boxes out the front. And he said, it's time for the offering song. I couldn't understand what they were singing. It was in Indian. But some kind of offering. And they started playing. And it wasn't like a slow worship. It was like, bam, bam, they're clapping. And people started getting out of their seat and dancing, Indian style, Bollywood style. You know, and they started dancing down and putting money in the buckets. And then they would dance back. And every time people put money in the buckets, people would go, yay celebrate. And then some guy comes down on the dancing down with a bag of rice and he puts it at the altar. And then this other lady, she's coming down, she was only a little old lady with a big bag of coconuts and as she put them on the ground people went, yeah. And then some guy comes down with a whole lot of bananas in a big hand, he puts them down. And then some other guy put some coins in, some guy put a bicycle on the altar, then some guy came down with some pineapples and then this lady came down with some dried fish and a couple of dead chickens under her arm. She put them at the altar and then this lady came down with two goats a mother goat and a baby goat and then they said okay after it took 30 minutes and then Lord and the pastor said, hey church I want to thank you for your giving as worship unto God let's celebrate the place went ballistic and that stupid goat went blah blah all the way through my message but in their poverty they were free free in their financial heart towards the Lord you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The sun sets you free, you're free indeed. For people tonight, we've prayed for it every night this weekend. We're going to pray. Some people need to be free from sickness and pain. Because just when you, sure, when you have an injury and you recover, but when you have continual pain, continual sickness, it just wears down your faith and your spirit. God wants to set you free. What are we, we've celebrated today the resurrection of the Savior. But the Word says by His wounds, by His stripes, you are healed. Yes. Number three is this. We need to have freedom from the powers of darkness. John 10.10 10 says, The devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, come, have given you life and life to the full. 1 John 3.8 says, For this purpose was the Son of God revealed, made manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. I'm telling you, maybe you've been involved in things of the occult. Maybe you come from a a family line where people have been involved in ancestral worship and traditional areas of worship, and you don't need to fear the night. There's nothing bigger than our God. Our God conquered death and the grave and rose again. The Bible says demons tremble and fear just at the mention of the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you tonight. This room, all the lights went out, and I lit one match. One small light always overcomes darkness, and Jesus is is the light and when he brings revelation into some area of your life it destroys the work of the devil because light always overcomes darkness there's someone here tonight and you fear the night tonight we're going to pray and you're going to experience freedom and peace as you sleep in bed this night fourth thing is this coming to a close we need to be free to be who God destined us to be David in the Bible suffered from low family expectations His dad didn't even think he was good enough to be brought before the prophet. Moses suffered from high family expectations. He was of the royal house, so he was going to go to the right private school and the right address and do the right things. He suffered from high family expectations. Esther, she suffered from being young and a female in a chauvinistic male world. She won a beauty competition, but God used her to change a nation. I want to encourage you. We need to be free in God to be the person that God has called us to be. Christ died to give us freedom so that we could become who we created us to be. Not what society says we should be, not what our past shouts at us we should be. Well, you come from a divorce family. You come from a family that everyone commits adultery. And you come, from, I, I could go on and on, because the devil tries to define you from your past. But God wants to give you freedom from the past to be all that he's called you to be you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free for if the son sets you free you're free indeed can i have the muses please come and lastly tonight number five freedom always begins with a choice let me say that again freedom always begins with a choice Jesus chose to go to the cross. When he was wrestling in the Garden of Gethsemane, he willingly laid down his life on the cross. We can choose at any point of our life to step into freedom in different areas. And sometimes the Spirit of God shows us blockages in our life or handicap areas in our life and says, hey, you don't have freedom in this area. Maybe it's poverty thinking. Maybe it's rejection in our life from something that happened long ago. Maybe it's a victim mentality because we were sinned against. We were innocent. Someone took advantage of us. But God's saying, don't live there. He wants to heal your heart and heal your mind so you can move on to all that He's called you to be. Some of you need to get free of the expectations of others. Who cares what everyone else thinks? What does God say about you and your future and your life? You know, there's a stack of movies that talk about freedom. It all started with Mel Gibson and Braveheart, and every other movie after that tried to do some famous speech. But I love the one bit before they kill off Braveheart in the movie. He says it's one major thing just about before they torture and They say he yells out and says, "Every man dies, but not every man lives. We have choices in front of us every day. Let's choose life. Let's choose freedom." And I'll talk to parents here today. You know, the choices we make every day affect the next generation. So make good choices. Choose life. Choose God. Come to church on Sunday. You made a choice that sets an example to your family. Choose life. I'll finish with this story. Many years ago, I was in Holland where my parents come from. And I was at a conference, actually. And, uh, I was with Pastor Danny Gugamucci and a few pastors. And he said to me, Paul today had an afternoon off, I went to the hiding place in Harlem the real Harlem not the one in New York the real one the original one and, uh, and I said get out and not if you know that story about the hiding place it was a Hollywood movie it was a New York best selling book and basically a Dutch family Uh, when the nazis came to take all their jewish neighbors built a secret room in their house above their watchmaker and jewelry shop and they hid jews and then they would escape out and they bring other jews in and they had a false wall in the wardrobe and and after two or three years of doing this right through the nazi occupation of holland one day they finally got caught and so not only the jewish people they had in hiding get sent to a concentration camp in poland but also the whole Dutch family did it. They weren't Jews, but they got sent to the same concentration camps because of helping Jews get free. And, uh, and within months, her dad died of tuberculosis. Within months, her sister died. And the whole time she was there, she said it was just such a depraved thing. But in her heart, she was a born again believer. Her whole family were Christians. And she said, you know, you can, you can enslave my outward parts, but you can never enslave my spirit because Christ has given me. She survived that Raven's Book concentration camp, and she was liberated. And and after the war, in her 60s, she began a ministry as an evangelist in Europe. All over Europe, through the 50s, 60s, and into the 70s, she became an evangelist of reconciliation, forgiveness, and God's grace. And a a, a whole continent had been torn up by Europe, uh, by war, and a whole continent had been ravaged by uh, revenge killings and all kinds of things had happened. She preached the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. Well, sure enough, in the 50s, they made a Hollywood movie about her story, which she made even more famous, famous, and her ministry even more influential. Then she wrote the book, which became a bestseller. But years later, it's now the early 1960s. She's up in Bavaria in the mountainous part of Germany and she's doing a crusade. And afterwards, she's done the old school. People have got saved and she's signing books afterwards because uh, she was a famous author. and She wrote The Hiding Place and her name's Corrie Ten Boom. And, and she's writing that thing there. And, uh, and sure enough, everyone's gone. It's just her and some of her team. And as they're going out, it's snowing outside. It's a cold night on a Thursday night. As she comes out of the town hall on the steps, is a little old man maybe in his early 70s and and he's got a crumpled suit and he looks quite disheveled and he's, he's saying to her, do you really believe God can forgive me? And she said, I believe Christ can forgive everyone. He died on the cross for all of us that we would have the grace of God and the gift of eternal life. And he said, do you really believe that? She said, yes, I believe that. He said, I was a Nazi SS prison guard at the camp of Ravensburg where you served. I saw so many awful things. I did so many awful things. Do you really believe Christ can forgive me for what I've done? She grabs him by the hand and she says, freedom begins with a choice. And she leads him in the sinner's prayer. He begins to weep as she holds him. And then she begins to hug this man. And the grace of God and the reconciliation of God's love comes. I'm telling you tonight, freedom in your life, in every area of life, always begins with a choice. And it's never too late to make a good decision. Your life is not a failure because you've made one bad decision. Your life becomes a failure when you continually make bad decisions. But it's never too late to make a good decision with God. Could everyone bow their heads and close their eyes all over this place? And tonight on this Resurrection Sunday, I want to give people an opportunity to pray a prayer, to make a decision to invite Jesus Christ into their life to be their Lord, Saviour and friend. You say, Pastor Paul, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. Nobody is just come as you are if a Nazi prison guard can get saved and become a Christian and have his sin and shame taken away the grace of God and forgiveness so can you tonight he loves you he's got a plan for your life in fact I believe if you're the only person on planet earth Christ would have come and died on the cross for you that's how much he loves you he knows your name he knows your past he knows your present, but he also knows the potential of your future. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask people, do you want to, would, would you like me to pray with you tonight that you would know Christ as your Savior and Lord? Or maybe tonight you're away from God. You once were close to God, but you're backslid in your heart. You're a prodigal son, you're a prodigal daughter away from God, but the Father is knocking on the door of your heart saying, come back. Not with condemnation, but with his arms open wide saying, I've missed you. I want you to be in relationship with you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor Paul, would you pray with me tonight that I may know Jesus Christ as my Lord, Savior, and friend, that I may have my sins forgiven the burden of my life and my shame taken away. Pastor Paul, would you pray with me tonight? I once was in connection and relationship with God, but right now I'm a million miles away from Him. If that's you, I want to pray for you tonight. God sent me from Brisbane to pray this prayer with you tonight. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Paul, would you pray that with me? I want you to do something bold so I know who I'm praying with in the crowd tonight. On the count of three, you say, Paul, would you pray that prayer with me tonight? I want to get my life right with Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus. On the count of three, would you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with in the crowd. One, two, three. Thank you thank you up the back there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else want to join these wonderful people? Put your hand down. God loves you. Thank you, my friend. That's awesome. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose for this. Looking across this auditorium one more time, you say, Pastor Paul, would you pray with me tonight? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to recommit my heart. I want to come back into relationship with Him. I'm the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter. God's arms are outstretched in love towards you. One last time, looking across this auditorium, I'll wait for you. Thank you for your honesty and your. Courage, my friend. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Church, can we all stand to our feet right across this place? Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.